Hello and welcome to Bedlam Social Hour, a D&D podcast. I am the aforementioned Bedlam, DM of this actual play D&D podcast. This podcast picks up our story midway through our current campaign, and while there is a brief recap of the previous session following the player introductions, a more thorough summary of the events that have transpired will soon be available. I have a bit of extra housekeeping today before we continue our story. First, I've been asked and I want to let our listeners know that our current goal is to release a new episode on the first of every month, with bonus content sprinkled in here and there. If you enjoyed the first two visions, Grom the Toothy Less and A New Companion, then you'll be happy to know that several more of those type of short narratives relating to Grom and the other player characters are forthcoming. Secondly, in this episode, the party encounters an NPC named Vaxador. I want to apologize because I inadvertently gave him a name that is awfully similar to Axador, the owner of the violent didgeridoo previously encountered in episode 2, New Experiences. So, do not be confusing Vaxador with good old Axador here's... The DMs named him almost a year's apart. Lastly, I've mentioned in previous intros that occasionally we deal with some darker topics and intense situations. Well, in this episode, I really, really mean that. There's a portion of the session that presents some imagery that is significantly dark. Enough so that I feel compelled to emphasize this trigger warning and state emphatically that listener discretion is advised. That said, thank you for your patience for the longer than average intro, and we'll go ahead and continue our story. We hope you enjoy. I am Mark. I am playing Lat Gain. He is a blue skinned dragonborn. He's a wizard. I don't know. Lost in time and space, yeah. Well, I be Parsifal, and I'm playing Grom. I'm a barbarian who's traveled south from the Northlands. My people have an odd affinity for hunting fierce beasts because we believe that if we crack the bones and devour the marrow of a beast, we gain its strength. My tribe has been lost and I've wandered south and met up with this band of ragtag hooligans that I consider my family and I'd gladly kill for them. I'm Carrie. I am playing Tylalore slash Gwendolith. I am a half-elf fighter, currently going through an emotional identity struggle and working with Grom and Vladgain and everyone else to figure out our quests and where we need to go from there. My name is Peyton. I am playing Mirmolnir, the Amethyst Dragonborn monk. My clan and I follow the way of the shadow that lived a quiet life underground, all in service to our god, Quisodros. I am on a personal quest to retrieve a stolen artifact and avenge the deaths of those that lost their lives attempting to protect it. And in that quest, I have found a group of people that even though are different from me in many ways, make me feel like I belong. Something I haven't felt in a long time. Recap. Having a solid lead on a handful of Mukal establishments that could potentially offer the information needed to be granted to access their more nefarious trade circles, the party, Sans Grom, choose to investigate an unlicensed brothel named the Morningwood. While there, let Gain and Tylalor chat with the bartender, while Mirmolnir focuses on a lovely drow named Sindern, and does his best to pump her for information. 
Tylor and Letgain discover that they may have better luck at a tavern-slash-fighting pit named the Violent Didgeridoo, while Mjormolnir discovers a plethora of new things about himself. After making their way to the Violent Didgeridoo, they meet the affable proprietor Axidor and the local fighting pit champion Kelmer. Tylor manages to convince Axidor to agree to give them the desired password, the only caveat being that one of them needs to beat Kelmer in a fight. They then proceed to convince the old pit fighter to fight Mjormolnir. After a miserable showing in his first fight, Mirmilnir, with the encouragement of his companions, manages to defeat Kelmer in a contest of first surrender. Once brought back to consciousness, Kelmer expresses his appreciation for the lively exchange. Axidor, being the man's of his words, tells Tylalor the sought-after password, and the three retreat back to the Siren to meet up with Grom. Initially, when Grom and the others parted ways, it was his intent to travel back to Grinzander's estate to hopefully secure funding for their current endeavor. Once completed, the plan was to reconvene at the Siren, and it is at this point we will pick up our story. Tylalor, Letgain, and Mirmilnir, you sit together at a table in the common room of the Siren. On stage is the much-lauded bard Kai. She has in her hands an instrument that resembles a lute, yet it is most definitely not a lute. Her delicate left hand dances over a series of keys on the instrument, and her beautifully painted right busies itself with the manipulation of what appears to be a crank on the end of the mechanism. She begins playing, eyes closed in an almost meditative state, and then a series of agile percussive motions serve to aid in amplifying the performance. The sound produced is unique to say the least, and the compelling melody that flows forth instantly captivates the crowd. It is at this point that you, Grom, walk through the door, take note of the loveliness on stage, and then see your friends across the room. Ah, ain't that a sight for sore eyes. Grom's going to make his way over to the table. Hey, it sure is nice to see this lot. Oh, Grom, how are you doing, buddy? Did you did you get the stone, Grom? You got my, you got the stone. I know. <laughs> Let me look around here. Turn around and lean my new backpack over. I flip it up. Uh, you guys notice that Grom has a new backpack that is uh, significantly in better condition than pretty much any of his other possessions. Then Grom. <laughs> I'm going to reach into my pack, and I'm going to pull out... Oh, I'm not. Oh, no, you're not. They're not in there. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Come on, buddy. Do you <laughs> pull them out of my not? belt pouch. <laughs> Little pouch out of my, off my belt. Oh, thank you, thank you. And I'll just, I'll just start staring at it. I'll warn you there. I don't know if they're attached to what's going on with me yet, but I certainly hope they treat you better than they treat me. So there's two stones in there. I believe there is a light purple one and a light blue one. You have two stones? Aye. I would say the, that one there of the, the pale azure. It's more related to mind magics and such. About when that one came into my life is when I started having these problems. The purple one, that, that one more uh, works with shifting of light and such. Or illusion, as you... You would say, I'm going to grab the, the purple one out of your hand for just a second. And as I, I lift it up, I close my hand around it. And then as I let go, it's just like a swarm of ants that just starts crawling from my hand all over my arm. And they're all going to crawl back down my arm into my hand. And I'll close my hand. And I'll... You don't even have to say anything. No, it's all based on concentration, my friend. But it'll take a while for you to, to get the feel of it. But I'll show you what I know. I think for the most part, I think I've got to step away from them. At least until I get things figured out. I had a bit of a, I'd say, a rough path out there. 
But first, let's hear how your trip went. Did you get what we needed? Well, we got a word. I hope it's the right word. (laughs) Yeah, we do too, considering the fellow who supplied it suggested that this word changes frequently. Well, I hope it doesn't come to more than that, but if it's not the word, it's not the word. We'll do what we have to do. You did miss quite the uh, misadventure this afternoon. Murray, you look like you got a couple different colors on you. (laughs) What happened to your face? I won the fight. Well, I'd hate to see the other guy. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of trouble did you get into? He took out of your book and bit the guy. (laughs) Now that's a winning strategy. You just let me know if you want help filing some of your other teeth down. The Murray the Toothy. (laughs) (laughs) What type of trouble did you get into that led you to bite a guy? Getting the word was contingent on me winning a fight, and my conventional way of going about it was showing to be ineffective. And so I took a different path. It was impressive. Lots of blood. Boy, I'd say a good bite always is. They never expect it. Where were you in all this mess? There, let gain. Oh, sorry, what? Uh, <laughs> you guys? Oh, uh, I think I was there. He was <laughs> drinking and cheering on the side. At this point, uh, let gain, would you give me a constitution saving throw? Seven. Seven. Yeah, you're feeling pretty tipsy. You're sitting a little more crooked than you're usually sitting. I was just, I was just looking at these stones here. I don't know which one to start with here. Oh. <laughs> I'll be honest, it sounds like you have a wee bit of a slur to you. Probably wait a little bit. You might be right about that. You might be right. You might be right. I'd say at least put the the blue one back. Just put it in my pocket. And just stare at the purple one. Try to do something. So, did you manage to uh, secure funding from Grinzander? Well, yeah, but we might have a bit of a hitch. So, on my way to Grinzander's, I, I ran into our little invisible friend. Oh, Still couldn't catch her. Still couldn't quite figure out how to track her down. We'll have to nail something down on that. This man, she's dangerous. And she wants you bad. But I don't necessarily know why. But we're having another problem. I don't know if I can trust my eyes anymore, love. Well, I was real close to butchering a couple of shop people. They looked like that weird, uh... I don't remember what they called it. But that weird tentacle-faced creature we saw in that cage. We said it was a, a Eliana or... Lilacathid. Boy, I just don't remember what he called it, but the dangerous one that we put an arrow in. Mm-hmm. But I felt almost compelled to believe false reality. Well, I don't really know what to make of it. At this point, Kai finishes her set and excuses herself with assuring the crowd she'll be back for another set later. But our boy pulled through. We've got the funding. Okay. So how long do we have till we're supposed to meet up? He said sundown. I'd say right now it's probably about getting on towards 8 o'clock, 8.30, so the sun has set by now. Okay, so... Or at least the last vestiges of the sunset are transpiring. We could probably start heading that way. I also made sure I found a picture of Grenzander's daughter, so we know what she looks like. Or at least when she's all dolled up. Pretty little thing. But are there any preparations anybody needs to make in case things don't go according to plan? I'd like a perception check from everybody at this point. Fourteen. I've an eight. I've got an eleven. All right, that would be an eight. Well, Grom, I'll take your passive perception on that because I know it's significantly higher than that. Everybody except Letgain notices uh, at the table across the way 
Well, just reading the room. It's obviously a little bit more crowded than usual, given that uh, Kai is uh, in town in plane. Tables off to uh, off to stage left there. A handful of commoners. Uh, you just suspect that they are people in town. Heard Kai was in town and are there enjoying the music. There is... I don't know if I'd say significant, but there's a, there is a, a military presence insofar as that you see people that are obviously soldiers with uh, the surrounding nations. You've got the Hawk of Greya and the Bear of the Lion uh, dotted around there. You're a little bit surprised to see them commingling at that uh, table that's off the stage right there. is um, bouncing around her bubbly self, and the table that's about as back as far as yours, off to the south of there, you see a group of four elves. Gram, you notice them. You've seen them before. Tylalore, you've also seen them before, but Mirmolnir. Are those the trackers? Given what Grinzander said uh, when you previously encountered them, you know them to be Advarician, as are most elves. Yes, over the course of your, your adventures, you have come to learn that they are in town because of the missing El- Advarician Prince Aerol. There's a female. At first you notice her bubbly personality. She is animatedly telling a joke or a story to her compatriots with a big smile and exaggerated gestures. Her skin catches your attention next. It has a light green tint and has many colorful tattoos. She wears a blue top that leaves her arms bare and accentuates her hair of a similar color. Her skirt is slid up to the hip with both sides revealing her tattooed legs. Her leather shoes are functional and she is adorned with various pieces of jewelry. The second is dressed plainly compared to his charismatic companion. Clothes of simple blue and gray with and gold accents, durable footwear, and shoulder-length blonde hair pulled back out of his face. However, what sticks out is the bird of prey resting comfortably on his shoulder. He absently feeds it small pieces of meat from his plate as he listens to the story being told. The third, a serious-looking fellow, his long blonde hair pulled back up off of his head, although a few locks fall to the side, partially obscuring his face. He wears dark leathers and a cloak. He carries a dark red leather satchel around his shoulder and a curved dagger adorn each hip. He seems to be constantly scanning the room, looking slightly bored, paying only mild attention to what is happening at his table. Lastly, a severely dressed female in leather armor adorned with many blades. Two curved swords on her back, a knife on each boot, and a rack of throwing knives on her belt. Her brown hair is partially done up in braids, while the majority of it falls midway down her back. She has a mark over her right eye, although you can't tell if it's paint, a birthmark, or a scar. She listens to her companion intently with a calm, bemused expression on her face. I want to make a quick uh, check to see if her throwing daggers resemble the one that I have tucked in my belt. All right, let's have an investigation. 19 plus 21. Uh, with a 21, you, usually, you easily can tell that her throwing dagger of choice is different than the one that you have. What did we do with Aerol's body? I don't remember. We left it with... The, uh, Mavka was supposed to take it to... Mavka uh, took it to Thutkan. Oh. I wonder if they ever made it. She is the last one missing from our party. Why isn't this stone working? Would you... Did you... Are you? Did you let go of the stone? I can't get it to work. Hey, it'll take a bit. But I'll warn you again. I don't know if this is the best place to be trying to figure it out. I'm gonna... Reach over to try to take the stone from me for a second. Okay. No. Turn it, set it in my hand, and turn it over, and then the stone just disappears. Well, I, I can do that too. I can. I mean, I can make stuff disappear. I typically can't. <laughs> then I'll, I'll make it come back like five times the size it was. So it like fills the palm of my hand. Can you find it now? I, I see it now. Yep. 
just take it and clearly like miss it. It'll slowly shrink back to the size that it's supposed to be as you take it out of my hand. Maybe maybe I should play with this tomorrow. I'll put it in my other pocket. It'll be easier when your head's a little clearer. I think you're right. I think you're right. I got a question for you guys. What do you make of that table over there? Those two uh, two different armies sitting together. What do you know about them? I can't say I'm very familiar with your lands. Is that something that's normal or not? Where I'm from, tribes typically don't mingle. Well, not for any wholesome means. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't know what people are doing nowadays. I wouldn't know. I'm unsure. I can't say that I know either. This isn't a place that I'm from, truly. Murray lived in a cave. Well, I suppose probably right now isn't the proper time to be thinking about those things. Should we be on our way? Probably. How long have you guys been here? I only see three plates in front of Murray there. It was probably about a half hour before Grom showed back up. Not long. Are there any scraps on any of the plates left? (laughs) If if so, I'm just going to reach over it snag the last bit of scrap off somebody's plate and throw it in my face so we can start heading out. At that point, Alistia kind of pops by and says, Oh, hey, I didn't see you come in. Can I get you anything to eat or drink? You know, I wouldn't mind a little bag for the road. A little bag? A little bag of some <laughs> snap. Like like food to go? Yeah, like a little chunk of this mutton. Look like it's pretty tasty. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, mm, yeah, I'll see what I can come up with. Be right back. Good to see you again. And then she passes by as she touches your shoulder. Tyler or not to grump. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be all right on our little adventure here? I I think I'll be fine when we get there. I'll be fine. Maybe the rain will help freshen you up. Oh, fucking rain. I do not like the rain. Perfect. Miramalnir, um, I know you had procured a healing potion because you felt you needed some more healing. Um, is that something you want to imbibe before you set out? Yeah, why not? <laughs> so what is the total of the red dice? Four. Okay, you receive seven points worth of healing. And I trusted Silas, but I can't see. Is there a different color die in there, too? What yep. is the number on that? Two. Uh, you take the potion, and you feel the familiar You feel the familiar uh, ease of the, the healing magic kind of mending mending your body. Um, but then... It, Strange, strange enough, uh, a ringing in your ears starts, and it's mildly distracting. It's not debilitating, but uh, it's definitely distracting. Yeah, right, Mary. You look a little uh, shaky after down of that. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling better. Told you that was a good potion. <laughs> <laughs> I can always trust you. Hey, just seems to. The moment I start getting dry is the moment we gotta roll back out. Mm-hmm. Any ideas on any precautions we should take before we roll into this slimy den? Other than being prepared for potential fight? I'd like to avoid a fight at all costs. Oh, yes. That would be best. Wouldn't want the little one getting hurt in it. But after that's said and done, I'll be honest, I wouldn't mind burning a thing like that to the ground. I would love to burn it to the ground. What's this? Yeah, with your passive perception, you notice Kai has emerged from the from backstage and has approached the table of elves and is uh, chatting with them a little bit. Looks like uh, Kai's friends with our little searchers. I don't know if I told you guys, but 
That body that Grenzander was in was Prince Aerol. That table over there, those fellows were looking for him. I think you mentioned it once, but I guess I'm unfamiliar with who that would be. You would be considering you came out of a cave. They were looking for the prince, but maybe you should tell them you found him. Did anybody know what happened to Mavka? I figured she'd be back by now. She really should have. You didn't send one of those books with her, did you? No. We may never see her. I don't know where Mavka is. Maybe we just leave a message for her. Let Randall know if she comes back. Just wait here for us. So she doesn't go wandering off to Grenzander's. That might be the best plan. If we try to stay and wait for her, we may miss out on this opportunity. Do you think we should let them know that Aerol's body is at Thutkans, or...? Do we want to draw attention to ourselves and be delayed by potential questions? You're right. It's probably not the time, doll. I say we let them go about their business, and we go about ours. I'm all for it. I'm just waiting for this snack to come back. I spent my whole time running. I was trying to bounce from the rooftops, but uh, it didn't work. Did you say bounce from rooftops? I, <laughs> I'll what be honest. What exactly happened? <laughs> well, I was trying to avoid some attention. I really didn't want to run into our little invisible friend again. But she found me, tossed this at me, and I'm pulling out this de- this package that's wrapped in my pocket, and I fold this cloth off of it. That looks like it was torn off of a eave, and it's got a throwing dagger thing inside with like a green sheen on the on the blade. And she sank this into me. Can't say it felt too pleasant, but luckily it didn't stop me too much. We talked for a moment, but I wasn't able to catch her. She seems pretty convinced that I'm going to give you up, <laughs> but she says she just wants your stone. How would she even know? Oh, that stone. Hmm. Is there another stone you got? I'll take (laughs) (laughs) We're talking about the ruby on my neck. Hmm. I see. Okay. Which I think at this point, um, well, I don't know. Uh, Let's have a dice roll for that. Both you, Miralnir, and Letgain. Let's roll a, just a straight intelligence roll. (laughs) That dice said no. (laughs) 17. Eight. That tracks. Again, as, as much as you pay attention to uh, the arcane things and the magical things around you and uh, getting yourself involved in this situation, um, you've noticed that all this uh, fuss and hubbub around these Lutrusian blood rubies, you've noticed that uh, Tylalor does wear, indeed, wear one around her neck. Uh, Miramilnir, mm, not so much. <laughs> He's like, what, ruby? I feel like you might be focused uh, inward, trying to sort some things out, so... Uh, Stone on your neck, so... Are you, are you in the right place then? Are you are you the right person? <laughs> well, I'm surprised you haven't figured out the struggles I'm going through here. I am Tylalore, but there seems to be another presence in my head, in my soul. I don't know. We're figuring that out. I found a strange group here. Got a guy losing his mind, and a, and a woman doesn't know if she has a mind. This is. I like this. Oh, I have a mind. It's just a matter of whose soul does it actually belong to. Well, finders keepers as far as I'm concerned. Hmm. You're my Tylalore. So what happens if you take the stone off? I don't know, and I'm not trying. You're not curious? I have seen other people be have their soul, stones removed from their bodies, 
and they become lifeless bodies. In this case, I don't know if I would become a lifeless body, if I would become just Tyla Lore, or if the other soul within would win out. I don't know. I'm not ready for that. Sounds like this is something to worry about later. Mm-hmm. Because dragging around a lifeless body with us is seems counterproductive. Well put, Murray. Um, okay. Seems dangerous to me to, to not know who you are, or if you're in the right place. Right, right person, rather. Oh, I know. I'm fine. Um, what game did you continue drinking when you got to the siren? That would be up to Tyler Laura, as I don't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like knowing what our upcoming obstacle was, I probably would have said no more drink. Water for the dragonborn. Uh, about that time, Listia, Listia comes bouncing back. Well, I couldn't find much of a container, but here. It's a sack of... Aye, that'll be perfect, Al. Thank you. Well, shall we? So you guys settling up, then? Yes, what do we owe you? Mm, just five silver. That one can eat. <laughs> yes, he can. I'll hand her a gold piece. Did you change? No. Thank you. You're sweet. She winks at you and bounces off. Surprisingly professional uh, interaction. It is busy, and she's working. I'm going to sneak my hand to the little uh, wrapped bundle of goodies that she brought me, and pull something out and start start snacking as I get up from my chair and start situating myself to make for the door. You discover um, it's pretty much the, the standard meal that's being offered to, tonight, but it's uh, kind of soaking into the, the, the bag a little bit. Well, it won't for long. I'm going to keep it on opposite side of me from Murray. Don't get any ideas, big fella. This one's mine. I see I got three plates there. As you all stand up to leave, I would like one more perception check from everybody. That'll be a 19. Six. It's a 15. It's a five. Okay, near and Grom, you notice that as you stand up and move to leave, um, Kai over with the table full of elves, and it looks at you, and the charismatic, green-skinned, tattooed one kind of looks at your table, too, and you know how you, you look across the room, and you can tell somebody's talking about you? That's pretty much what you got. So Kai says something, and then the other elf says something back, and Kai kind of makes that chin nod in your direction, and then turns and looks back at the elf, and they continue talking. Looks like we've got some attention over there. I wouldn't be too surprised if we've got somebody behind us on our walk. Just have to keep an eye out. Sounds like the opposite of beneficial, considering what we're on our way to do. Last thing we need is to be interrupted in the middle of that. At least we can see these ones. <laughs> True. They seem like a pretty perceptive bunch. Wonder if there's some way we can work this in our favor. Something to think about, I suppose. I suppose when we leave, we'll see if they follow or not. As you uh, make your way to the door, you pass Randall. Oh, Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Toothy, are you leaving so soon? Hey, we'll be back shortly there, Randall. Mm, very good, very good. Got some mm. evening business. All right, well, best of luck to you. Toothy isn't company. All right, you exit the siren. As we step out into the rain, I'm going to take a moment to look for voids in the rain. When I ran into our little friend here, we were, I was down a cliff, but it never hurts to be too careful. All right, let's have a perception roll. Uh, that's a 24. <laughs> oh, 22, sorry. <laughs> Try it. Don't get cocky. I still feel good about it. 13. I don't imagine I'm really paying too much attention. Uh, yeah, you peer out in the rain, and you look down the street that way to your right. Down your street, left. No, seems pretty clear. 
Right. So now, uh, what did the word end up being? Kasa... Kasuragama. 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 <laughs> Interesting choice. I don't know. I mean, with his little snaky accent. Kasuragama. Fair. <laughs> Say, that's a, that's a nice backpack you got there. Where Have you always had that? I know, uh... It's actually Grenzander's. I'm just borrowing it to transfer our funds currently. But yeah, I, I gotta hand it to him. In a short moment's time, they, they scraped up more than enough. The whole family there came together to help out. Oh. The whole family? What, what family? Ah, all of us. You know, workers and such, the people that live on his compound. Almost all of it came from uh, that big Ferbolg fella uh, with little mister. Fella Ardra. Oh. Turns out he'd been squirreling it away for years. How much you got in there? Over ten. Alright. You don't seem to be slogging down with all that weight very much. You know, I thought it was going to be heavy, but I guess I'm just like super strong. <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> Best recognize. You can roll an insight check on that if you'd like. I'm going to leave that to you if, yeah? Sure, go for it. A three. Mm. <laughs> you are very strong, in fact, yes, yes. That's right. Fuck around to find out. <laughs> Tyler Lore's just remembering in the past where she's been the one with the muscle. <laughs> yeah, everybody's seen me not able to hardly pick up the dude in the alleyway. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine I'm just like kind of one eye looking at you. Like, okay. So I got a question for you. What's that? never really did answer why that Sevian was calling you Time Warden. That's a pretty interesting name you got there. What's she mean by that? Mm. Well, see, I'm not really from around here. Like, now. Neither am I. Oh, Mm. wait. Now? Like, the now that you know is not the now I knew. So you don't know now. So is the question, when are you from? That would be, yeah, I think that's about right. Of course, I'm not from here either. Very south, very south. So, when are you from? You are from the year 5,777, and the current year is 6,382. So at this point, I'll kind of stop, kind of realize what I'm saying, look around at everybody, and this is, it's weird, but about 800 years ago is where I'm, it's my time. I've been trying to get back there, and in fact, that's what brought me here, that, uh, that tower you broke into, it was my my hopes that I would find something there. I'm sorry that it seems the ale's kind of boggled my mind. What, what was I what was I saying there? I think you just told me you're from 600 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the tower. That was my plan. I was gonna get information from the tower and go home. What's it like 600 years ago? Mm. I had a beautiful village. Is it gone? In the now, I mean. Yes. You know the lands Mavka's from? I can't say I'm familiar. Well, it's a... It's broken land now. And I think I did it. Wait. You think you destroyed everything? Tell her, roll me a knowledge history check, please. Fourteen. There's something kind of kind of chewing at the back of your mind about uh, that date... You know, like, we, we know as 
people in this know that the year 1066 was important for some reason, but we can't quite remember who was involved and what. Uh, so title or yeah, you that year, that 5,777, it's something important happened on that on that date to the lands to the south, to Larothia as the continent, as you know it as. Hmm. I see you wrinkling up your eyes there. Love you. Does that ring any bells for you? The date feels familiar, but I can't quite place why. So what exactly did you do to blow up your world and come to the future? It's hard to say exactly. It's not exactly my fault. And uh, to be perfectly honest, this is a conversation that would take much longer than I think our time and this rain would allow me. Needless to say, I, I need to get back to fix this. Well, I don't mean to be a, a bit of a sour sport, but if you go back and fix it, what does that mean for us? Mm. There are many planes. I don't know, I think that me going back would affect this world at all. In fact, it's possible I might just go to a different plane entirely. Planar magic is deep and complex. Hmm. Aye. But you don't like it here. Or you just don't like being broke. Don't you miss your family? Your tribe? If I'm being perfectly honest, my people don't grieve like that. I'm just excited to get to see them again when I join the Great Mother. When I take that final death roll and take whatever son of a bitch I'm fighting down with me. I need to save my people. I can respect that. So what exactly is it you thought you were going to find in that tower? I have no, I have no idea. This, as far as I can tell, this is the, the greatest accumulation of magical knowledge in the world. hope to find something here. Oh, I know that tower has been nothing but trouble for us up to this point. Even so, I don't suppose I'd turn up my nose in another trip through. I'll be honest, most of my trouble started the first time we went there. Maybe I'll find the answer to what's plaguing me there as well. But would you recognize it if you saw what you needed? Because I'll be honest, whatever I'm looking for... I wouldn't have the slightest idea. To be honest, I, I had planned on joining as a student and working my way through the library and getting knowledge that way. I don't think this is a matter of an object or a quick spell. The spell might not even exist. I have heard of some of the great shamans of my land. Whenever they'd say something didn't exist, they'd all gather together and they'd be away for long periods of time. They always seem to come up with something together. I'm not sure if your magic is like that, but I'd be interested in helping you find out. But I suppose first we better get this little girl. Maybe they'd find that little statue of yours tucked away somewhere up in that tower. Hopefully. Wait, I guess Sifion did say it was in the jaws of the lion, so possibly not. So what are we going to do here exactly? I know we'd spoken about hiring Mr. Yasdin. I know we'd also spoken about gutting him like a fish. <laughs> do we have any uh, do's or do-nots before we get there? I imagine that we don't want to completely destroy the establishment because of the said Hydra issue. I feel destroying the establishment would simply draw more unwanted attention. And plus, if we need to call upon his resources again, we would be unable to. Hi. I'll be honest, though. It seems like uh, the more we help you guys find your things, uh, the quicker you leave us. <laughs> I've grown kind of fond of your scaly hides. I'd be sad to see you go. Well, as I said, for me in particular, my my studies are years, if not decades, in the in the making. Unless we find a quicker way. It does lead to some interesting questions. What do we have now that you didn't have then? Well, 
besides shattered continents. Hmm. That elevator. Yeah, I guess there's nothing like that where I'm from. About this time you uh, come upon the previously visited Ezekiel's exotic eccentricities. Eh, eyes up. So here we are. Did he say there was a different entrance we were supposed to use? I don't remember. I don't recall him saying anything about that. Okay. I don't think so. Are we are we just buying and then leaving or I'd hope so. Are we just trying to trick and steal the money? Well, we've already got the money. I don't think we should do anything that would compromise the life of Grinzander's child. I think we should just play it safe. I'm with you, Murray. Well, I don't suppose there's anything you can do before we go in there that might lend us a hand. Not that I can think of at this moment. Well then, fortune favors the bold, I love. Mm, seems that way. Is this an inappropriate time to say ladies first? <laughs> Is there ever an inappropriate time? I don't think so, love. I don't think you've met many places that you can walk into and not be able to walk out of. You look tougher than woodpecker lips. I suppose we should get in there. All right, let's go. All right, and you enter. As you walk in, you see the previously encountered store owner. Ezekiel looks up from what he's a ledger or some, some paperwork that he's working on. He says, Oh, welcome and salutations. You've returned. We said we would. Yes, well, I understand that certain uh, hurdles might have been in place. Mm, we're good at conquering hurdles. Very good. So, can I ask what is your intentions? Well, I believe, Master Ezekiel, that like before, we'd spoken about the dagger with the gold hilt and emerald inset. Indeed we had. I have, in good faith, made some preparations. Wonderful. So there is the business of certain words. I believe the word you're looking for is Kasuragama. And his eyes actually widen a little bit. Very surprised. My, you are resourceful. Tyler Lore smiles widely. And then, can I assume you are a group of means? Of course. I would say so. Well then, would you like to be testing your dagger tonight? Or are you going to outright purchase? Uh, purchases. What we're looking for. Mm, buying goods sight unseen. Oh, I didn't say anything about sight unseen. We'd like to confirm what we're seeing first. Doesn't mean we want to test it before we buy it. Absolutely. Well then, do you have any questions? What's your return policy? <laughs> <laughs> Tyler Lore fights to hide the giggle. The corner of his lips kind of quirk at that. A little wry smile. He says, I think... You can assume all sales are final. I, I figured as much. I want to take a peek around this room and just kind of look for any areas that I should pay attention to. Anything that looks like it. Perception. I do it once over the room as well. Are you kidding me? Twenty twin twin. <laughs> <laughs> it was a loaded die. Die was a good investment. They were a good investment. 
looking around, uh, there's not really anything new that you hadn't seen previously. It's a pretty straightforward shop. If you hadn't have had the conversation with the proprietor that you uh, have had, you would just think it's a exotic uh, curio shop. And there's no dark corners or anything like that. There's some stairs. Any exotic curios that catch my attention? Well, just looking around, there's a few statues here and there. There's a couple suits of armor that are pretty exotic. Uh, there's a couple weapons on the shelf. And if you want to inquire further on anything like that, then we can go down that road. But otherwise, there's a lot of interesting things there. The shop does claim to sell eccentricity, so... Well, then I guess I don't have any further shopping. Very well. So, I ask you to leave a deposit before we go look at the goods. What kind of deposit? Simply half. Now, I'm afraid that sounds like uh, a bit of a swindle there, Mr. Ezekiel. Mm -hmm. You want me to leave 5,000? Well, we had to show a measure of good faith. It doesn't seem like you are willing to do the same. It's simply business. You leave the 5,000, and I accompany you downstairs and present the goods. If it is not what you are looking for, then you simply refuse. We return here together, and you leave with all of your money. I think that's fair. I just kind of link my arm through Grom's. Insight. Did you say four? Yeah, I said four. <laughs> I shouldn't have. Let's go look at the new toy. I think you know how you, you feel about that insight check. You already felt like that. Mm. Tyler Lore, with that comment, I would like a deception check, please. Six. You make that comment and he... Nictating membranes or... You like toys? Why else would I be here? Fair. Now then, do we have an accord? Well, I hope that I don't need to mention that. If you try to pull anything shady, it'll be very unpleasant for everybody involved. And at that, I'm going to flash him a big toothy smile, and I'm going to pull my pack off over my shoulder, and I'm going to reach in and start pulling out coin. He stands there very placidly while you do so. You can tell without an insight check that he is calculating every coin that you pull out of there. At one point he says, let me fetch a container. He walks off to the back for a minute, comes back with a, a good-sized bag, well-made canvas, if you wouldn't mind. Can I see that bag? It's this canvas bag, and I just, I just like to grab it and check it out. Yeah. What are you looking for specifically? Just making sure it's a regular bag. All right, investigation? Uh, 14. 14. You have no reason to believe there's anything strange about it. There you go. We good? I think so. All right, you uh, work and count out the 5,000 gold pieces. Ezekiel ties it up with the drawstring. <laughs> Grabs it, he says, if you'll excuse me for one moment, I'm just going to put this in the back. Walks to the back. There's a time that passes where this close to thinking that something's up. And then he returns. He walks to the front of his shop and uh, locks the door. Pulls the, the blinds. Well now, if you would follow me. And he proceeds to walk up the stairs that are shown at the back of the room there. He opens the door, and it opens into a warehouse space. The warehouse is quiet. There's an earthen smell, no doubt from the dirt floor, which also serves to muffle your footsteps as you traverse the space. You make your way down a corridor, shelves on either side, housing boxes and barrels of what you assume are various goods. 
You reach the far wall, and Ezekiel reaches out and triggers an unseen switch, and a door you had overlooked swings open. The door swings open, and Ezekiel says, Please, after you. You enter the door and see a spiral staircase to your left leading down, and another Yuan-Ti sitting on a chair in the corner, obviously there in a security fashion. These are our potential patrons. The Yuan-Ti guard gives you an icy stare. Her nictating membranes blink twice, and she gestures to the stairs with a nod. Just gonna barely acknowledge her as we follow him. What's our marching order? I figure me and Grom in front together, just for appearance sake. I'll bring up the rear. You descend what seems like multiple stories of stairs. As you continue downward, the sounds you hear grow increasingly disturbing. Screams of pain, accompanied by sadistic laughter, punctuated by sobs, and the occasional exclamation of ecstasy. The weight of the depravity transpiring in this place is palpable. You reach the threshold to a long corridor, several doors aligning the right side, and you are accosted with the stomach-turning stench of blood, sweat, and excrement. Another Yuan-Ti, dressed in dark colors, sits stoically on a stool in the corner. Tylalor has a hold on Grom's hand and is squeezing very tightly. You reach the floor there that you see yourself on, and Ezekiel says, Shall we proceed? Aye, after you. Very well. You proceed down the corridor. The first door you pass has a window in it. Do you glance in? Yes, I do. You look in and see an orcish woman, her hands chained to the ceiling, pulling her up to her toes in an obviously painful position. From what you can see, she is completely naked, and her body is covered in bruises and lacerations. A dark-haired man is in the room with her. A small table next to him contains a variety of blades, pliers, and other random implements of a similar type. She's weeping, and as you move past, you see the man move to her face with an odd-shaped instrument. You don't see, but hear the inevitable blood-curdling scream that ensues. I'm gonna squeeze Tyler Laura's hand for reassurance. Just keep calm a moment more. Tyler Laura is channeling Gwendolyn's general personality at this point. The next cell you peer into is empty. The next you come to, you look in, and as you pass, you can see a huddled form in the corner, doing their best to wrap themselves in a filthy blanket that's far too small. Unless the figure is a gnome, they cannot be large enough to be a full-grown adult. Holding fake smile in place. The next cell contains a red tiefling male, bent over a support of some sort. His wrists are shackled to his ankles. There are two customers in the room with him, both naked from the waist down. Gagging noises can be heard as the two simultaneously rape the tiefling captive. The next cell, you see an unmoving humanoid on a straw-filled mattress. The amount of blood would suggest they're dead. A naked elven woman is next to an unmoving form, absolutely drenched in blood, writhing in the carnage and moaning in what can only be perceived as ecstasy. Easy, love. The next cell, you simply see a man and a female dwarf engaged in coitus. Judging by his enthusiasm and her glossy-eyed look, the man seems to be enjoying the activity significantly more than the dwarven woman. Ezekiel turns back to gauge your demeanors. Just mean mugging. Looks like you got a full house tonight. What can I say? It is a busy endeavor. Finally you come to a cell, and Ezekiel says, Here we are. And he opens the door. 
You go in and you see a young female with elven features. Her blonde hair looks clean and maintained. She is clothed in a simple blue dress, which, even in the low torchlight, accents her icy blue eyes. You see as she gazes fiercely at you, her tear-streaked face betrays the fact that she has been crying. Grom, you recognize this to be none other than Valerie, the girl from Emilard's painting, Grinzander's daughter. What do you think, darling? I think that would do quite nicely. Yeah, I think we'll take her. Well, that was simple. Is it typically more difficult? It can be. Proclivities of this nature. Well, let's just say it can come with some complicated terrain. Hmm. I suppose that makes sense. Considering everything else we've seen, I understand. Sounds like you followed what I was looking for well enough. Well, we aim to please. Now I will leave you to your niceties and meet you back by the stairwell. Do I notice any chains or anything on her? Nope, she's just sitting on a nasty looking bed. I look at Lagain and Marie and you guys stay out here for a minute. I'm just going to move in and kind of grab her roughly. Just by the back of the hair. Like handful of the back of the hair. And looks up at you and spits in your face. Easy, love. (laughs) She'll do quite nicely. I'm gonna grab her and start walking her out. I kind of sidle up next to her quietly. Just play along. We're gonna take you back to your dad. Just wait, 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 wait. You really from my father? Yes, he's home and safe. You have to get Vaxdor out too. He's here? Yes, my father's family, Vaxdor, he's here. Red tiefling. Oh, shit. You first. And she makes a scream and fight and elbows you. Ooh, she is feisty. As soon as we get within eyesight of the guards, I'm going to just give her a shake. Knock it off. And then I'm going to continue on. You make your way back to the stairwell, revisioning each scene that you passed in reverse order. As you approach, you see him kind of saying a couple things to the guard there, but mostly just placidly waiting. Now, uh, Ezekiel, I'm uh, afraid I may have been a little overzealous and hadn't really thought about the trip home. Uh, by chance, is there any way to uh, borrow a, a coat or something hmm, to take my new package home hmm. without being so visible? If I wish to be a little more discreet with somebody and I give her a shake, who's not cooperating. She spits at you again. Swell. It's a surprising amount of lack of foresight. I'll be honest, I don't think I've ever had anything so hmm, fresh. Hmm. The spirit seems to be a little different after a while, but I suppose you know that. Yes, I suppose I could call you a coach, but that service would come with another fee. Well, I imagine everything around here does. Yeah. Just make it happen, Ezekiel. You must be a man of business. Please, bide a moment. Whether down here, whether upstairs. I think the warehouse will do fine. The finer tastes, I'd say, some of the other aromas you have around here don't quite mix. Hmm. Weak stomach? Again, surprising for those <laughs> of your ilk didn't say anything about a weak stomach. More of a 
separation of desires. Nevertheless, stand by. I'm gonna reach into my other bag and start pulling out a little bit of rope that I have. He heads up the stairs. I'm heading up after. You arrive at the top of the stairs. Probably move out to right the other part right before the, the front of the shop. Yeah, there's a there's a door there. Uh, kind of like falsely wrapper, loosely wrapper hands with rope a little bit. The illusion that she's secure. Yeah. Once you move away from the guard at the top of the stairs and you're about halfway across the warehouse there and Ezekiel disappears through the door and back into his shop proper, she says, can't just leave him. I won't. We need to get you out of here first. Took a lot of planning to get you this far. If we get you to a coach, can you make it back home on your own? Or do you need an escort? The coach is honorable, yes. I can can make it. Do you have any gold? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can get her any out of my bag. Do you have any doll? I do. Try to get her some in her hands with the little fake chunk of rope there. Roll me sleight of hand. 13. Yeah, you managed to sufficiently uh, secure a faux binding. Are you boys willing to go back in? I think we have to. Wish we could get them all out of there. He was a gambler, right? Is that why he's down there, you think? Can't say that I know. I would say he probably got sold off with the rest of the people from the compound. Oh, definitely. My guess is Medlock's crew overcame them all and just put them here because it's easier. Valerie says, yes, we came here together. But how are we going to get him out when he has other patrons in the room? Looks like they all have to die. Are we going to get her out of here and burn it to the ground? Valerie gets a very large smile on her face at that statement. I see her face. Yes, I want it burned. Is your mom in here, doll? I haven't seen her. I don't know where they took her. Something happened. My father changed. His personality changed. And then people showed up. And we were supposed to go. I don't know. We were all loaded up on a coach. And next thing we know, we were brought to this. Well, we've returned your father to himself. Oh, thank goodness. But I'm afraid this probably isn't the place to tell you all about it. No. But get to him. And those of the staff that were trusted are still there. Okay, good. You see kind of a, a demeanor of relief, but relief that is... She's suspicious of the relief. Mm-hmm. She wants to have the relief, but she's still... Don't get comfortable yet. We have to get you out of here and home Keeping first. Keeping an eye on the door that Ezekiel went through. And the moment I see that door start to open, mm-hmm. I'm just going to slap her right across the face. Hard. Uh, about that time, the door does... Watch your tongue. Spits at you again. We're going to have fun taming you. <laughs> Let's have everybody roll a deception real quick. Four. Six. Big ol' uh, niner. I got an 18. Well, the piss and vinegar uh, coming off of Valerie is very convincing. Ezekiel walks through the door and he kind of takes in the scene. He says, you seem uncomfortable with the situation. I'm fine. It's admirable that you want to please your husband, so... I think what most people refer to as morality is merely cowardice. Oh, for once, I think I might agree with you. Now about this coach, and we should settle the tab. Be here presently. Please join me up front. And he walks to the door. So, the rest, please. Do you feel like going and getting your bag again? Or do you want me to just put it out on the table here? He reaches under the counter and pulls out another bag that's empty. Sets it on the table. Alright, I'm going to pull the bag off over my shoulder and... And start scooping a coin out. All right, that takes a minute because uh, it's a lot of money. 
And then by the time you complete the transaction, you look out the window and you see a horse and a carriage has pulled up. So I want to take a look to see if it's just a normal horse and carriage or if I feel like that's in all, at all affiliated with this investigation. That would be a 10. You look out the window and you see a huddled form with the cloak up protecting himself from the rain as a driver. You don't see any markings on the coat. Wait. No, you do see a marking on the coach. And you take a closer look at the coachman, and it's Sven. Oh. The coachman that ferried you oh. to Vinaya's spires. All right, well, Susie pulls up, bag sorted. Pleasure doing business with you, Ezekiel. Please, don't be a stranger. And opening the door, push the girl out, shutting the door and locking it. And I'm bursting into rage immediately. Let's have some initiative rolls. Six. I got a 20. I got a 16. 18. Grom shoves Valerie out the door. And without missing a beat, she runs toward the coach. Grom, you see her engage him in a quick bit of conversation. And then she jumps into the coach proper. And it starts to move away. Whatever she said to him sparked some urgency. You see that, Grom? And you lock the deadbolt and turn back to Ezekiel. And I don't know if it's that you have some speech prepared, but your action holds for one moment. And Mirmelnir, anticipating the call to action, what would you like to do? I'm going to throw myself over the counter, arms and teeth going for his neck. First of all, roll me an acrobatics check over the counter. Wow. <laughs> Through the counter. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that time you kicked a desk at this dude? That's six. You go to vault over the counter, and in your desire to end the atrocities that you have just recently witnessed that are actively transpiring downstairs, you miscalculate the height of the desk, and or the counter rather, and you uh, catch your foot on it. And you don't go completely prone, but you don't completely clear it either. That was your turn, because it's going to take you a minute to recover. At that point, Ezekiel looks up at this gigantic amethyst-skinned dragonborn coming over the counter at him. And so you have a moment to register this ab- absolute terror on his face, and then you watch it switch to confusion as you <laughs> face plant on the floor and manage to somehow turn it into a somersault and then get back up on your feet. But that's going to be your turn. Let game, what would you like to do? I will cast Hold Person. Ooh, nice move. It's a wisdom saving throw. What is, ooh, that's a natural 20. Yeah, you pass it. You cast, and you see him look at you, instantly recognizing the source of the, of the magic. You see his eyes narrow, and he just smiles at you. Tyler. You dumbass son of a bitch, you mistook my disdain for the situation as me trying to please my husband. We're gonna end you. And I pull my sword out. And start advancing. I am going to use my commander's strike, and I'm going to co- use it as a call to action for Murray to attack. Yeah, that's my girl. So the way that works is he can immediately use his reaction to make one weapon attack, adding my superiority die to his attack damage roll. In uh, saying her, th- her threat to Ezekiel there as she walks around the corner. She concludes it, and as she steps in and close dif- distance, she says something to Murray that snaps him out of his days of uh, tripping over the desk, and instantly 
God damn it, Murray, get your ass up and fight. <laughs> the general in you shouts a, a word of encouragement to Murray, and he snaps to that moment of clarity. I want to go, and I want to try and tear his throat out. Fifteen. So it's nineteen. There's a split second where he, your laser focus just focuses on his neck, and then you spring, and your teeth just latch into his neck. My boy's hungry. So that's 16. You. Oh, shit. You, your teeth. You got, you got <laughs> he may as well have presented it to you. Your teeth sink in into that soft flesh, that soft Yuan-Ti flesh, and you just feel the blood pool in your mouth around the vicious bite. It's tearing enough so that motherfucker can't yell. If you kill him before he moves, it'll look like my spell worked. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> You have an action, Tyler. If that was a if that was a bonus action. Yeah. So then I guess I'll attack with my long sword. Okay. Yeah. That was a five. You had to alter your swing at the last second because all of a sudden there was a Murray in front of you. <laughs> Grom. So as I turned around from the door, I pulled my weapons out of their sheaths, and I run my hand axe blade across my chest as I start my rage as my bonus action. And as soon as I do that, my mouth starts to crack and extend. And my jaw starts to get bigger and more feral. For my action, I'm going to take my hand axe. I mean, I overhand throw it so that it spins. I want to try to hit him right in the head. Ooh. 23. That will hit. Nine damage. near you caught up in the bloodlust. You don't necessarily react to it so much as your eyes blink when you are bit into his throat and then... And Ezekiel gurgles. And I'm going to uh, run around the table to try to block him from moving towards the door. You're not quite in melee range with him yet, but uh, you are definitely between him and the stairwell. He is just rapid fire things happen to him. Monster at his throat, axe in his skull. (laughs) He just tries to push you away and it's not happening. He is so dazed and confused that uh, that's pretty much going to be his turn. Which brings it back to the top. I would absolutely love to take a large chunk out of his throat. I just picture him standing up with his yanti hanging from his mouth like a like a golden retriever with a duck. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 15. A 15, yes, that is enough. You uh, savagely twist your head, and yeah, that soft flesh that your teeth sunk into, stay right with you. You twist your head in a violent just tearing, and then you stand up straight up to your full height and you look down and just watch the blood flow from this gigantic gash of where his windpipe used to be. The arterial spray hits Tylalor in the face and for a pregnant second the body just stands there and his nictating membranes go and then the body collapses and you're left standing there with a significant piece of flesh, blood, and esophagus in your mouth. God, you gotta spit that out and be like, even I don't eat shit. <laughs> As the blood sprays across Tylalore, her old soldier instincts are coming back into play. She gets a big ol' smile, slaps you on the shoulder. Good work, guys. Let's go get the next ones. Yeah, I'm just standing there, just seething. The moment I saw him drop, I'm sprinting to the next area. As soon as I see Grom move, I follow. I'm spitting it out and following. So yeah, Grom's movement, Grom's sudden movement, spurs you all into immediate action to follow uh, Letking. With a huff, with a huff. <sighs> yeah, Tyler Lore's got bloodlust now. She's ready. 
my intention is full run to where I saw that guard. I'm going to come in through the door. I want to jump in the air and double kick straight out at the chest of that thing without ever slowing down or... Did you grab your axe out of... Nope. As you approach the door, uh, you see that it is open. You can see the torch on the other side. You have to kind of uh, veer to the left to get uh, kind of a straight-on momentum bead on the guard sitting in the chair. And I will be happy to call that a surprise attack. What skill would you like to try to execute this maneuver? Let's go acrobatics. Well, last time I I wiped my hatchet and my blood on my chest. And while I'm running, I want to take my knife and get it bloodied first as well then too uh take two hit points of damage and you are still raging yes let's have that uh, acrobatics roll 13 all right with the 13 you managed to uh, navigate the doorway with no problem uh, leaping up and extending your feet you blast into her you don't quite land like straight sternum like you were aiming but uh, it's still enough to topple her and her chair over and you guys land in a heap and let's do uh, um i'm gonna say 1d4 plus your strength for damage eight can i make it an athletics roll to tumble up i would take acrobatics 19? Gromby spry. Uh, yeah, you knock her over in her chair, and as it turns out, that uh, not-quite-square kick that you landed worked to your advantage because you were able to plant your foot on the ground after it grazed her and bring the one that actually contacted her doing all the damage back around. And you're a little bit unsteady, but you are on your feet. I'm going to attack. That's going to be 16. 16 hits. 5. Miramal near. You can close distance if you like. Yeah, I'm closing distance because she's still flat on her back. Yep. I want to bring my foot straight down on her head. That's a 16. That hits. That's five. Do you remember that time we killed 15 people and then opened a small curiosity shop in the (laughs) 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 Not sure how well this is going to work in putting us in touch with the uh, Mukal Holdings contact, but... Uh, you see that bridge over there? It's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Lucky. Like partway to the door? Plus, I guess I'd be running, so 60. You can get in the door. I'd imagine you come in and kind of see the pile of stuff going on here and maybe take a step back there. I would uh, just stay in the doorway, actually. I will pull out my crossbow as my bonus action. The surprised, furious, you want to on the ground, utters a few words that you don't quite understand, and then your ears pop, and standing by the stairs... Oh, one of those fuckers. Quadruped beast. A mouth that is uh, larger than natural. It's slightly different than the ones you encountered in the basement of the spires, but you are certain it is not friendly. And we're back to Grum. I've got my knife held in a backwards grip in my hand, and I want to just kind of make a punching slash to the side of the body. I want to kind of catch the side of the face. I'm looking to bleed the eyes. I want, I want blood running over the eye here is what I'm shooting for. 14. With 14, you just managed to inflict some damage, but you don't quite get the the spot that you were going for. So go ahead and roll damage. Eight. She is visibly angry. Tyler, what would you like to do? I'd like to attack again. You do have advantage because of the uh, flanking situation. I believe that's a 10. A 10 is not enough. You swing your sword down and she manages to roll to the side just as it comes in contact with the cobblestone floor. Okay, can I do another bonus action commander strike? Sure. Uh, this time I'm going to yell at Lagain to keep the dog at bay. Okay, so yeah, I'll shoot my crossbow. 
Uh, 18 on the dice. That will be enough. Uh, five. Plus eight. It's that general coming out. It me. sinks right into his neck. Grum, throw me a per, uh, perception. 19? Through the uh, mass of flesh that is Murray and the mass of viciousness that is Tylor, you see Letgain raise his crossbow and discharge it, and you're momentarily confused because it doesn't have a string. Mirmoner. I'm going to go. I'm going to try and grab her by the neck and essentially just kind of fling her around. Okay, yeah, roll me a, your unarmed attack. 12. Yeah, not so much. You reach down for her throat, and she's got a significant amount of blood from a, a couple of the attacks, and your, your grip kind of slips off a little bit, and she manages to kind of forearm it away, and you can't quite get purchase. Yeah, I'll go ahead and do the Furia blows. I got a 19 for the first one. That one's only an 8. First one hits, and you actually punch her hard enough that her head moves to the side, and your follow-up uh, left uh, misses because you accidentally knocked her head out of the way. Roll damage on the first one. Five. That brings us to that gain. So I will do sapping sting, which is a what's a saving throw to the dog thing. Constitution. Thirteen. Thirteen is my spell DC, so it says nothing about if you get half or anything. So. I'm going to back up, and that's it. The female you want to on the floor lashes out. You hadn't seen this before. She lashes out with an arm, and Grom, she comes at you, and you just think, oh, she's grabbing for my throat. But at the last second, you think, holy buckets, that is a snake with some severely large teeth. Does a 17 hit you? No. Really? Really? What's your AC? 18. Wow. With no armor. That's impressive. Quick. <laughs> Your AC is bigger than mine. <laughs> Genetics. <laughs> I have a 12, but I'm a wizard, so. And here I thought Grom was squishy. He was. <laughs> and then you said, you should make Grom a barbarian, because that's the way you play him. I, I did say and that. And I said something like, I've never played a barbarian. Let's give it a shot. And it's pretty fun. You see this snake shoot out from as if nowhere, and you just kind of move to the side, and then... So it makes another snap, but kind of in the wrong direction. I guess she will attempt to stand up. I mean, obviously I'm going to try and stop that shit. 17? That will hit. That's a 6 damage. I got well over 20. 11? It's my dagger. Grom sinks his dagger in for 11 damage. The axe is still in Ezekiel's head. You plunge the dagger into her eye as she tries to stand, and all of the fight leaves her, and she goes limp. What about her doggy? <laughs> Sprinting. Let's get the next one, boys. Uh, roll me acrobatics. Ooh. Uh, 21. You did this. <laughs> My last guy sucked. You did this one. <laughs> Perfectly fine, sucking. I'm close on Grom's heels. Since I'm rolling down the stairs, my intention will just be to body check him. Uh, athletics. 23. You guys having fun? <laughs> Grom just wreck everything? Hey, it's not a scrum. We're all getting our hits in. You come tearing down the stairs, and you turn that last corner to the stairs, and you still have some momentum, and you shoulder tackle, that's what I'm assuming? Yep, okay. So you knock him off his chair into the corner. Uh, you both definitely go down on this one. Tile alert. Do I get a bonus action? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I want to bite him. Go for it. 16? No. But he's prone. (laughs) (laughs) So are you. 
You did this. <laughs> so I'm actually going to come around and kind of plant myself, like, between, like, try to get a view, an eye on him, but also plant myself between the rest of the hallway just in case the other customers come out and try to make a scene, too. So I'm kind of, like, halfway between. You're one So Grom and this guy are kind of tangled on the ground. Correct. You know, I'm just going in. I'm joining the pile. Like, are you going to pile on, or are you going to kind of wade your way in and try to find something to punch? Flying elbow drop that shit, dude. <laughs> Full on. No no thought about it. Just straight in. Well, that's an 11. Roll me a percentage die. 80. Here comes Mirmolnir flying in there, and here comes the elbow drop, and crunch, ooh, right into the floor, which kind of hurts, but you've had worse. And But thankfully, no, he doesn't hit you, Grom, but now you are a pair of three humanoids tangled up in the corner. That game. How far back would you be, would you say? Well, if everyone started running straight through down the stairs, right, I would have stopped and seen if that lady had keys on her. Let's uh, have an investigation check up top. The two. Uh, you do not find really anything on her. Yeah, so then I just start working my way down the stairs. I imagine I'm halfway in the stairs right now. This guy on the bottom of the pile takes a kind of a, a punch with no leverage at Grom. And it lands, but it's a punch with no leverage. However, the snake he has with him is angry. And that one sinks his teeth into you for four piercing. So, yeah, two piercing damage. And roll me a constitution saving throw, please. Thirteen. Still not quite enough. Uh, you feel those two fangs bite into your arm. And you feel the burn. And it just races through your body. Your heart's pumping. Your adrenaline's going. And you take two more poison damage and you have the poison condition which i believe gives you disadvantage on all your skills pretty much on everything we are back to grom i just got where'd this snake just bite me at in your arm i want to grab it behind the neck and uh i want to try to bite its head off seems legit uh roll me a sleight of hand to grab it 11. You pull it out of your arm, and it does the snake thing when you have it. It whips its tail around and whatever, and manages to squirm out of your grasp and lands back on the floor. Uh, movement or bonus action? I'll stand up. Tylalore. I'm going to hold my action, because I don't want to risk causing undue damage to my party, but I am going to do my bonus action of the commander strike again. And I'm, bo- I'm yelling at Murray, since he's still right there on the ground with him. That's a 10. To 10. Nope, that's not going to do it. You go down for to smash your elbow into his face, and in the event of him striking out at Grom as he was standing up, his head slides away and your elbow crashes into the ground again, actually cracking the stone floor. Mirmolnir. <laughs> that's a 16. And that's not quite enough to hit. He's uh, has been in a fight or two, and each time you try to drop an elbow or a fist on him, he's uh, deflecting it or deftly moving out of the way. That game. I would say that at this point you come into the fray. Coming down, seeing everybody there, I will pull onto my cloak and cast Magic Missile through my cloak, which allows me to cast it twice. So four plus five, nine points of damage. All right, and I need you to roll me a wisdom save, please. As a natural one. You channel this twinning energy, this ability that this cloak has, has granted you, and... You fire off the two spells, you watch as the missile arcs out and then splits into two and then right into the guy. And then you promptly fall asleep. All right, the one on the ground, extricating his dagger from Grom's leg. 
After Grom had successfully standed up, he redirects it and attempts to stab Mirmolnir. Mirmolnir does a 15 hit. Does not. Okay, you managed to deflect his dagger strike. He's going to take one more of those. And, as you previously said, a 15 does not hit. No problem. Here comes two dagger strikes. You're just block, block, whatever. However, does a 17 hit? It does. You feel a sharp pain in your calf as two sharp fangs insert themselves into it. And you take three piercing damage. And I need you to make a constitution saving throw, please. It's a 14. 14 does not do it. Uh, You take three poison damage and currently have the poison state. Which brings us back to Grom. Little snakes kicking our butts. So Murray and the Yanti are both tangled on the ground, like throwing blows at each other. Yep. I stood up. I'm diving in. Put <laughs> <laughs> dagger up. Coming. All right, Grom, you regain your feet. You take a moment and assess the situation. And nope, I want to be part of this cuddle puddle. <laughs> Here we go. Thought you guys were going to stand up with me. Oh, uh, that would be a five. Nope. You just Sorry, Murray. Pile back <laughs> in. I'm in the mix. Your dagger doesn't bite anywhere, and you just hop in. As you jump into the, the, the writhing pool of Dragonborn, and you want to That's about it. Murray, you barely feel him. Tylor. I'm going to run down and try and start searching for Vaxador. Uh, roll me an intelligence check, please. 18. You remember which cell you passed. And as you run down, and do you open the door? Mm. No, I'm going to pause to re-examine what I see in there. Um, it's a similar scene as you saw before. It's hard to tell, but going off of Valerie's description of Red Tiefling, it's hard to see him in the midst of what's happening to him. But there is definitely a red-skinned figure bent over that uh, support with okay. the other two seeming to uh, enjoy themselves. Can I kick in the door? Roll me a perception. Gotta catch him with the pants down. 20. A quick glance at the door tells you that you're pretty sure it opens outward. So I'm going to bang on the door, tell them, you son of a bitches, get your asses out here. You see them both start and look up. One of them says, the hell is that? We paid for this. Yeah, fuck your money. I'm here to knock your shit down. Oh, what are you going to do about it? Come out here and fucking see. Come in here and fucking see. Go get them. <laughs> I'm not going to let go of my advantage, though. If I have to stop and open the door, that gives them an advantage to attack me. In your defense, they are balls deep in something. That's true. All right, I'll go ahead and slam the door open. You rip it open? Yep, I keep my hand, my sword ready in the other hand, though. All right, you rip the door open. And I am vengeance incarnate as I stand in that doorway. They hear the door open, and the one with his back to you turns around, and yeah, you see an elvish man uh, kind of with some... Uh, Dark beady eyes and short brown hair. Uh, across the way is a larger uh, bald man, uh, full beard. They both look at you, and the one across the way, the bald man, says, uh, Who the fuck are you? I'm here to bring vengeance against those you have wronged. And at that point, we will go to Mirmolnir's turn. I'm going to stand up and get out of the pile, because it's clear that's not working for me. All right, you take it, kind of move back and whatever. You manage to regain your feet, no problem. I'm going to reach in, and I'm going to try and grab Grom so that we can both have an advantage over this guy laying on the ground. Yeah, let's do athletics. That's a 10. Yeah, I don't think that's going to do it. I'm wiggly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that game. Do I get a wisdom saving throw? Yes, you do. 14? Oh, do we? <laughs> Just one step closer to full long rest. Oh damn. 
He found a heat lamp. <laughs> you remain asleep. Nope, he's gonna he's gonna try to slap fight with you on the ground there, Grom. Oh no, never mind. The snake, however, sinks in for four piercing damage. Halved to two. Take two more points of poison damage. We're back to Grom. Since we're like tussling and rolling around, I want to try to roll into a mounted position, and then we uh, can bite his face. All right, let's have an acrobatics to get into position. Uh, ten? Yeah, he's a little bit slippery, too. You slippery bastard. Uh, I would say you could still try to bite him. I will. Fifteen? You try to roll into that mounted position, and he gets hold of your leg and knocks you off balance, and your bite lands wide. Tyler? So I want to keep myself where I can still exit the door if I need to, but I'd like to attack the guy in front of me. No problem. It's uh, pretty much just two steps in. His AC is definitely low. Twelve. Caught with your pants down. That's enough. Eight damage. Oh, shit. Girl's mad. That was your dice roll. What's your strength modifier? Oh, yeah. So, ten. Yeah, you step in with a vengeance and just try to cut this guy from clavicle to hip bone. And your sword bites deep. And he lets out a painful scream and drops to his knees. The other guy backs up and is like, what in the hell? I'm your death. Roll intimidation. Nine. Fuck you all. Break your fucking nose. And he moves around the side there to come at you. Takes a swing at you and slips and stumbles. He trips over his buddy or something. And he's got a big old haymaker coming at you. He's obviously a little bit uh, maybe inebriated, maybe high. You don't know. His eyes aren't jiving, but he takes a swing and his hand blasts into the wall next to you. Is there any chance Vaxador is able to get up, though? The red tiefling is currently straddled over a kind of a glorified sawhorse-type uh, mechanism. His his wrists are chained to his ankles, uh, which brings us to Miramonir. I'm going for an attack, and then I'm going to use my bonus action for Fury of Blows. That's an eight. That misses, but you can, since you attacked, you can flurry. That's another eight. Best I can offer is a 15. 15, that doesn't quite do it. A couple of your kicks land, but one glanced off of Grom's shin, and another one, you're just kind of off balance. That brings us to that game. Let's have another wisdom. That's our one. Gets even more cozy on the ground. All right. Um, again, he madly slashes with his dagger. He's going to try to get up, so if you guys want attacks of opportunities, go for it. 22. That's a 19. A 19 hits. Rip his face off. 10. 10 damage. I'm going to try and just soccer kick his head into the wall. That's a five. Go ahead and roll me athletics. 13. You kind of force him into the wall, but you don't think his head hitting the stone did too much damage. He does manage to regain his feet, but uh, yeah, you did a number on him as he tried to do so. That brings us to the snick. You're onto him now. He coils around and he snaps at you and jerk your foot back and bites thin air. Which brings us back to the top. Crown, what would you like to do? Snake tried to bite me. I'm gonna bite the snake. <laughs> <laughs> I failed. My jaws snap in the air. Bonus action movement. Uh, I'll get up. Everybody's getting up now. This is what we're doing. Except you. What the hell? You regain your feet. Tell her. Um, I am gonna attack the guy that just swung at me as I'm laughing maliciously at his failed attempt to hit me. Uh, that was a 21. That will definitely hit. Again, you're going for the clavicle to uh, hip bone strike. For my intimidation, that is 16. He 17, sorry. believes you now. You rake that sword almost through his torso, or it gets caught up on the clavicle uh, and doesn't yeah, that was three damage. bite too deeply. <laughs> near, near. 
I guess I'm just going to swing for him. Um, 15. 15 is not quite enough. You take a swing at him and he deftly moves to the side. That gain? Not enough. Not enough. All right, you cuddle up a little bit cozier with your cloak. Yuanti, having regained his feet, draws a short sword that was previously sheathed. That is a natural 20 against Grom. His sword bites into you for 10 damage, which is halved to 5. The snick takes another strike, but nobody notices. Oh, I notice. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> snake's gonna die. All right, that brings us back to Grom. Let's have a constitution roll. 19? You are no longer poisoned. Woo! I'm gonna tear into this dude. I swing my blade at him. 23. 8 damage. So I bit him, and then I'm gonna try to stomp on the snake. Not to hurt it. I just wanna try to hold it. So that it will still be able to bite me, but I will know where to get it. Okay, we can tie that up to the movement. So, yeah, let's do acrobatics. 17? Yep, you stomp on about its mid-body. Not quite on its neck, but uh, you got it under your foot, and you can feel it writhing and trying to get out. Tyler. I'm going to attack again. That's a 16. 8 for damage. You strike with your sword, and as he stumbles back from it, you manage to kick his knee, and boom, he goes down prone. And I am out of superiority dice. And then that brings us to Mirmolnir. I guess I'm going to make another strike for him. Let's have a constitution roll first. 15. That is just enough. You are no longer poisoned. That is a 7. A 7. A 7 does not land. That gain. Let's have another wisdom roll. Think it's time you switched dice there, friend. I've so- I rolled the one with the two ones with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I got twos and ones. I don't know what to tell you, people. I was just really tired. It was all the boozing. Just, <laughs> it's catching up to me, you know? I'll just hit you at once. Bad timing. Another short sword attack at Grom, since he seems to be the biggest threat. That does not hit. I did do nine points of damage. Just saying. He's going to reach out with his left arm, and just like the yuan that was above. Oh, that's not a hand. That's another snake. But you managed to deftly dance away from the strike. The snake under your foot bites you. Or at least your boot and it gets the hard part and its teeth do not penetrate and you notice with a brief glance down it seems to be stuck in the hard leather of your boot heel bring it back to ground this is a uh, time for some bruce lee movie stomp roll an attack uh never mind <laughs> 10 all right you bring your foot down hard with the intention but his, his, his fangs are, like, caught in the back of your boot, so as you bring it up, his head's right there with your heel, and as you stomp it down, no, he's not under your heel. He's in the back of your heel. I should just say this from now on. Uh, all of my attacks will be reckless attacks. Makes sense. Tyler. I'm attacking again. Uh, which one? You got two prone men. Which one seems to be the most able to... They are both in bad shape. They have both have severe blade wounds in their upper torsos and are bleeding out profusely. All right, so I'm going to go with the one that's directly in front of me. That's a 16. That will hit. That's going to be a 5. With that swing, the one that offered you at least a meager bit of resistance, uh, you see the life fade from his eyes and he slumps to the side. And you doubted me. I spit on him. I'm taking another swing. It's an 11. He's very serpentine in his fighting style. That might be a kung fu style that you have not studied up on. Your tiger claw cannot catch the serpent. What gain? 17. Hey, you wake up. I will say, yeah, you can have some movement if you'd like. 
I decide to stand up. Am I aware of why I fell asleep? Roll an intelligence check. As a 12. Um, not immediately. Uh, you just wake up and have that afternoon nap mentality of, <laughs> oh, I was sleeping. You think back for a second, and no, you just cast a spell, and then all of a sudden, just this fatigue washed over you. Uh, seeing those guys over there, then I will do Snapping Sting, which is the Constitution saving throw. Does a 12 be? The, the 13. 13, 12, so they fail there. So you drop prone, and you take one point of damage. Uh, Miramonir and Grom, you see this combatant before you just all of a sudden just <laughs> back down on the ground. <laughs> Well, first, the snake will try to extricate himself from your boot, which he does, but that was his action. And then the warrior on the ground will try to once more stand up, potentially provoking attacks of opportunity. 16? 16 does not quite do it. 22? 22 lands. He staggers to his feet and he turns to glance at you and is met with a giant amethyst fist. Please roll damage. Be a six. Uh, He regains his feet and takes a quick uh, dagger strike at... Somebody, neither one of you are quite sure who. Grom. Um, actually, at this point, before he, Grom goes, um, this door busts open, and a bespectacled man comes to the door and says, What is the commotion out here? I paid for my time. I expect that to be respected. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say Grom? Grom, your turn. Uh, fucking shoulder tackling that door into that dude's head. Yes. <laughs> get a sprint and just smash that thing. All right, roll me athletics on that one. As you disengage from the Yuan-Ti in the corner, he takes a, a sword swipe at you and misses, because apparently you're quick. And yes, you blast into the back of the door, not really knowing who is on the other side, but boom, the door slams and... Knocks him back in. Hopefully he lands on his ass. So you're not quite sure what happened after the door slam, but... Uh, I hope it hurt. I was hoping to catch a hand in the door. His fingers just lying in the hall there. <laughs> action, Grom? Oh, I thought that was my action. <laughs> uh, I was willing to call it movement, but... I'll open the door. <laughs> See what happens. Actually, no, that'll be a good combination of action and movement. You open the door to see said man fallen backwards. He is prone at the feet of the previously mentioned uh, naked orc woman chained to the ceiling. And again, there was a table of sharp implements? There was. Oh, goody. Do you want to move into the cell? Uh, yeah, if I, if I can, certainly. You walk up on him as he is trying to find his glasses that got knocked off. Oh, God, I want to step on him. Roll perception. Wow, let me crush this dude's glasses. Twelve. Yeah, you see him laying on the floor next to him. Crunch. Nerd. (laughs) (laughs) He's dressed in very fine clothes, scrambling around. What is is the meaning of this? And we'll move on to Tyler at this point. So you currently have one uh, unbreathing, unresponsive thug in front of you and another uh, weaselly piece of excrement uh, to his side that has tried to stem his blood flow. Let's decimate this piece of shit. 18. Roll damage. Ten. You walk up on the beady-eyed man, and he's looking at you, trying to stem the blood flow of the gash in his shoulder. And he looks up to you, and he tries to reaches out and tries to say something, but you plunge your sword directly into his chest, and all life just drains from it. Could I possibly work on trying to disentangle the tiefling? Yes. But, uh, so you move over to. Him. Do you say anything to him? I'm here to free you. 
and he's kind of in a position where he wants to kind of look up and see who you are, but can't. So uh, that will move us to Mirlinir. What would you like to do? So I saw there was a chair. Am I within grabbing distance of that? Sure. I'd like to grab the chair, and I want to bring it down on his head. 19 hits. Yeah, you reach over and grab that chair and roll me a d8 worth of damage, plus your strength, given the heft and the weight of the imp- improvised weapon. Be a six. This Yuan T is looking very bloodied and a little bit punch drunk. What game? What would you like to do? I'm going to. Is do I have a clean line of sight, like straight path, or is Murray in my way? Uh, he's kind of standing there. The, he's, the, the Yuan T is prone in the corner, and you just watch as Murray reaches over and grabs a chair and just brings it down in his face. So, yeah, I would say you have line of sight. They're a little bit entangled, but it's not. So I would like to do my lightning breath then. Oh, shit. Things just got real. Uh, you have to do a saving throw. That doesn't matter. I rolled a natural one. Oh, nice. Do I have to roll a dex save? <laughs> yeah, you do. 17? 13's my... 13, yeah. So I don't know if Mirmolnir hears the intake of breath and kind of glances back over his shoulder. Just kind of takes a half a step to the side and... Nine points of damage. You guys are hearing me laugh maniacally in the down the hall. Yeah, all fight drains out of the figure in the corner. He just drops limp. Yeah, I'll just start walk. I'll walk out over here. Where are you going? Uh... To where I can see, yeah, I'll stop kind there. Can see past Grom? Yep. All right, yeah, you see Grom standing over a well-dressed dandy who's trying to scuttle his way back away from Grom. Mjolnir, does a 14 hit? No. As you stand over this unconscious, maybe dead, you want to, a snake tries to bite you in the foot, but you react quickly enough that you kind of kick it away. And we're back to Grom. I imagine I'm just... Like holding him on the ground with one arm while grabbing instrument after instrument and just like sinking him into it while screaming furiously. We are vengeance. Roll attack with advantage since you're recklessly attacking. Twelve for him. That's enough. Eight. Yes. Uh, in the interest of uh, the narrative, you know, it's just like several. <laughs> several. Yep. Just um, oh, this one's pointy. Oh, it's stuck in your face. Ha ha. Oh, this is a pair of pliers. I bonked you with it, Tyler. I'm definitely going to each of the other rooms when we're done. I'm just going to free the tiefling first. So as I'm freeing him, I'm going to ask, are you Vaxador? He takes a moment and coughs a couple times, and then the wretch is on the floor. And then once he clears his airway and realizes that the, the horror has stopped, he says, Who are you? I'm a friend of Grinzander's. And you can see just palpable relief. You see his whole body just relax. And he says, Oh, thank the gods. Yes, that is me. Sorry we weren't here sooner. Me too, my friend. Me too. And then if I'm able to release his binds, I'm gonna... You said they're chains. Can I maybe slice them with my sword? Yeah, I'm gonna say, I think with some work, you get your tip of the sword in there and get some torque on it and to kind of break it. They're cheap shackles. Yeah. They're rusted and whatnot. They're not not designed for high-stakes prisoners. Yeah, with I would say with with a little bit of work, you're able to to get him get him free there. He stands up and looks down at the two. He says, nice work. I said I'm vengeance. Spits on one of them. We've freed Valerie. She's on her way to her dad now. He thought he had relief before, but it was quadrupled at that statement. 
kind of pokes around and looks at the looks at the larger man laying on the floor and kind of looks around and you know any port in a storm he goes to the corner and picks up a pair of pants and throws them on there's a few more pieces of trash in this dungeon that I must deal with but the way to the main entrance is clear and by all means carry on I smile widely and walk out the door um, Grom, I would say at this point you have sufficiently killed the piece of uh, excrement before you. My rage played out as I'm sitting there, like breathing heavily, <laughs> exhausted. My my muzzle is like pulling back into my face. I'm trying to catch my breath. Then I'll pull out my knife and I'll start scalping this guy. The orcish woman who's chained to the ceiling before you, after a moment, watching this vicious vengeance play out says I can't say I right know what to think about this should I be concerned I'm in my own little world <laughs> just like growling to myself as I saw to this detail <laughs> I, I think that as I saw him like dying I would have went on the hallway moved down like, the, hall- yeah. in the hallway okay. I believe there was one more potential the, the blood spatter room, lady. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you come to this one, you see. Uh, She's still fine. Just hud- huddled up in the corner. Yeah, I just move, keep moving. All right, you get to this point, and yes, there was, I believe it was an elven woman in that room who was just drenched in blood, laying next to a corpse, just writhing, making noises of ecstasy and enjoyment. So I think I would just grab onto my staff and magnify gravity directly on top of her. You make a constitution saving throw. Eight. Thirteen is it, so you take six points of damage and your movement is halved. So as this this naked elven figure just writhes back and forth, you cast your spell and her reaction is her eyes go wide. She's like, <clears throat> I will cast Mind Spike. Wisdom th- saving throw. How about an 11? Still no. 16 points of damage. You cast your other spell, and she's in her fit of laughter. She All of a sudden, her eyes go wide, and she grasps her head and lets out just this blood-curdling scream. And, and uh, done. Done. I assume I heard that? Yes. I look at you, and I smile. Good work. Also, I look at Vaxador. By the way, Grunzander is himself again. And it is safe to go home. Yeah, seems to be an answer to my prayers. At this point, this door bursts open. And this guy comes walking out and says, Could we keep it down? I'm trying to focus. And he looks, sees you. I will lunge forward and cast Shocking Grasp. <laughs> Four. Oh, yeah, that's not going to hit even him comes out with his loose britches and it's all ensconced and as you lunge for him and, and cast and grab takes a step back says what what, what just I paid for this walking towards him with my sword out all right as you approach uh oh yeah he assesses the situation and sees you coming he kind of hikes up his pants and, and just turns and runs down the corridor that is a dead end isn't it about to find out i believe so <laughs> Run, run while you can. There's no escaping. Actually, let's uh, let's check in on Miramal near her. Over there, stomping on snakes. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me how you tell me how you get rid of the snake. Well, it's striking at me, and I'm trying to dodge it. And in the chaos, I step on it and 
crush it just right. Turns out if you weigh four times as much as I do, then you can step on it and they just die. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, What would you like to do there, Murray? Grom, would you still say you're still trying to scalp this person? I'd say I'm probably finishing up right about now. I'm going to walk up to the woman chained in the center. I'm going to grab the, because they're suspended to the roof. I want to grab them and just try and just rip them out of the ceiling. Roll athletics. That's 22. You just reach up and just just pull it out of the ceiling. I'm just going to look at her and tell her to run, leave, be gone. Okay, I um, I guess I'll just kind of move past you. Excuse excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, pardon. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, then I'm going to hop up and go to find my wife. I'll follow behind him. All right, yeah, you guys come out of the cell. You see me stalking down the hallway. And turn a corner. Tuck the scalp in my belt. Wait, wait, I could just just leave. How about I just leave? Rape doesn't mean you get to just leave. And he moves to try to run past you. And I swipe at him. Roll it. I guess attack it. Uh, That's an 11. 11? That's actually enough to stop him. He is uh, shirtless at this point with some... He's still hanging on to the waistband of his, uh, his trousers. (laughs) <laughs> You're not getting off so easy. I have money. Do you want money? No. I want you to suffer for your crimes. <laughs> he kind of steps back and hits the wall and slides down. And I'll raise my sword and attack. That's a 21. Coup de gras. That's basically what it is. If your intent is to kill this person, mm-hmm. you have no problem doing so. The only resistance you get from him as he cowers in the corner is he raises one hand and kind of looks away as you plunge your sword through the neck, just inside the clavicle, down through all of the organs that keep us alive. Latgain, you see a dwarven woman peer out from that room in fiery red hair with the equivalent fiery red beard done up somewhat nicely. She's clutching some sheer material to herself to try to cover up somewhat. It would seem today's your lucky day. <sighs> You're free. Is that so? Would you prefer to stay here? <sighs> I'll put my hand on the door. My mortar in the short and curly is surely not. Oh, good. I'll just open the door more. Get out of her way. <laughs> and she... <laughs> <laughs> so I'll come walking back around that corner sheathing my sword. On my way down I'll fling open that door the one with the small person in it. I'm just gonna tell her to get out of here. Huddled in a too small blanket. She looks up and you see a a young blonde haired Elvis girl. She says But where shall I go? Anywhere but here. Is is, Is Enslight safe? Oh that was one of the ones we rescued from the dungeon wasn't it? I think Murray joined us after that, didn't he? I don't know who you're talking about, but you can't stay here. She kind of moves to the door very tentatively, looks out. You're, you're very big. And you are very small. I had a book back at the orphanage that was very similar to that. Oh? Yes, it was quite amusing. There was a large person, and, well, there was the large person said, You are. You are small. And the small person said, No, I am not small. You are big. And it just escalated, and it was a very clever book. This sounds charming. And imagine, like, big anime doe eyes at you right now. I suppose until we find some place, I can help guide you out of here and somewhere safe. It's got, like, blood all over his knuckles. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I would like that very much. Well, come on then. 
clinging to your leg. She should climb up on his shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> About that time, you guys kind of make your way back up the uh, back up the corridor here. I've dispatched the rest of them. So you're a Vaxador. I am. You seem to be in better predicaments than you were. Not my finest hour. Eh, seems finer than the previous. I'm gonna shoulder past him into the room. I'll shut the door behind me. What are you doing? I'll just be in there for a minute. I'm going to go upstairs into the warehouse. I'm going to follow that gain with the small child in tow. Is there any other th- building attached to this one? Uh, Ezekiel's is actually attached. I know the map kind of had it separated. Yeah. But, so but it's, you got the uh, Emporium and then the, the warehouse. The warehouse doesn't yep. mean anything else. No. I say we burn this place to the ground. Grom uh, opens the door and steps out. Did I hear her say that? Yep, you heard it. Well, maybe we should loot it first. What'd you do in the room? I hold my hand out. It's got two sets of balls. <laughs> <laughs> I give it to Vaxador. <laughs> you offer it to him, he's looks at he's like, I very much appreciate the gesture, but I do not want those. No, no, no. And I drop him on the ground. Give him a stomp. <laughs> <laughs> he looks down at his bare feet. Worth it. <laughs> he looks at him, and with more energy than you were expecting, he... He stops on There's four all there. They're small. You know, I have to say, you were right. And he kicks one down the hallway. Say, let's get out of this abominable place, shall we? Yes. Well, I'd say, uh, with what it cost us to get in here, I'm betting all these fellas got coin. That's a good point. Plus, we can regain the money that we had borrowed from Grenzander and return it. I'm gonna look at this tiny little thing. <laughs> Clinging to Murray. Looks like it'll take a little bit of coin to support that little one. I'm going to look down at the small child and... What is your name? Well, I'm Nerma. What's your name? You can call me Murray. This has been Bedlam Social Hour, a D&D podcast, a Peace in the Chaos production. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then... Work hard and be kind.